0: G'day audience! Sorry to cut off the best part of the song there. Uh, So this week we're going to continue, it's the last part of I guess our little mini-series on all the different industries. This week we're going to just cap it off with a few other small industries that we haven't yet spoken about and then we've pretty much addressed every single industry that I can think of that you would ever come across. So let's get stuck into it. Our first industry is the payments processing industry. So the protection from competition these companies have is they have a network effect where if you're a merchant selling something, you need to have the payment method that customers are using. And if you're a customer and you want to buy stuff, you need to have the payment method that merchants or sellers are using. And so it creates this network effect where everyone joins a couple of payments processing merchant companies, I guess. And so the two that you should think about when it comes to card payments is Visa and MasterCard. They're literally the only two dominators. And then when it comes to online payments, it's PayPal. So these companies are huge, hugely profitable, and that's because they essentially take a cut of every single transaction that they process, which if you think about all the payments made on a Visa or a MasterCard, while they only take a small percentage cut, the sheer number, the sheer volume, the total number of payments that goes through these companies every day is so big that it leads to really big sales and profits for these companies. Now, unfortunately at the moment, all these companies are expensive because COVID has accelerated the shift from cash to card and online. So just wait for a pullback in these stocks if you're interested in them. To value them, it's really easy. You do a discounted cash flow analysis, and you look, so if I was to value PayPal, I would go, okay, 16, PayPal is the dominator, it's gonna continue to dominate. Currently, only 16% of sales are done online in the US out of all the sales made. I predict that it's gonna to get to 80% the future, or even 90% if you think. And so then that means, you know, PayPal's sales will increase fivefold over the next 10 years as we go to pretty much entirely online. And I'd put that number into my discounted cash flow analysis and see what I get. Same goes for Visa and MasterCard. I'd go, okay, 50% of all payments in the US and developed countries are done on card and 50% are done on cash. I think that's going to turn into 100%, so the sales of Visa and MasterCard should double over the next 10 years. Plug those numbers in and see what you get. The next industry I wanted to mention is the gambling industry. Now, the protection from competition here is brand, but it's a pretty weak brand. If you think about all the sports betting brands we have in Australia, you've got Sportsbet, Ladbrokes, blah, 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 and The brand, no one's really that loyal to their brand. Now, the reason I'm bringing this industry up at the moment is because in the US, there's a lot of hype in this space. It's probably the second most hyped industry at the moment after electric vehicles. And that's because sports gambling used to be illegal in the US up until two years ago. The country that has legal guns (laughs) only legalized sports betting two years ago, and essentially what this has done is the fed, it was federal law, so it was federally illegal to gamble on sports, it was illegal for online casinos, it was illegal for a whole bunch of things, and then two years ago they got rid of the federal law, which means that it's now up to each state to decide if it's legal or not. So each state, and what we're seeing is that states are really open to this idea of legalizing sports betting and online casinos, etc., And that's because gambling is huge tax benefits for the state. And so especially now since COVID where a lot of states are needing money, they're finding that legalizing gambling is a pretty innocent way to get more money for the state. And so we're seeing a lot of growth in gambling in the US, in online casinos and sports betting. And this is creating heaps of investor hype because you can just imagine how big the gambling market in the US would be. Uh, So to value these companies, I would do a discounted cash flow analysis, look at the expected growth of the US gambling market, and plug those numbers in. But just note that each gambling market is slightly different. So online casinos are different to sports betting, which are different to lotteries. The two companies which I recommended, I think two weeks ago, are Neo Games, which is providing the software technology for states to have to run lotteries, and the second one is Flutter, which is essentially in the U.S. at the moment. There's two big sports betting companies going toe to toe, and it's DraftKings and FanDuel. They're pretty much head to head, but the reason I like Flutter is because Flutter has the ex- also is a UK company that also owns. Paddy Power in the UK and Betfair, and Sportsbet in Australia. So they've already gone on and dominated two other developed countries' sports betting, whereas DraftKings is brand new. And so my kind of thesis, I guess, is that they'll be able to use their expertise and experience to go into the US and dominate it. And then even if they don't absolutely crush it, the valuation isn't as absurd as that of DraftKings. So it's a bit of a win-win. So. On the note of DraftKings, I would highly avoid that it is ridiculously valued and pretty much prices in them going on to absolutely dominate the sports betting industry. Investors forget that the gambling industry is actually quite competitive, like in in Australia and the UK, and that's just because Australia and the UK have had gambling for so long. We know how the industry works, whereas in the US they don't, and so I feel like there's going to be some pretty big... Losers and a lot of money lost investing in the betting companies in the US. But that's not our problem. Um, so that's the gambling industry. The next industry I want to talk about is the cosmetics industry. And so the protection from competition these companies have is their brand. Now, these companies have had a huge run up over the last five or so years as investors finally realized how um, widespread cosmetics were getting and pretty much all these companies at the moment are very expensive especially when you consider the dynamic that's going on where makeup is being slowly replaced by more skincare type products and so if you are going to invest here as i'm sure a lot of you know boys and girls who know this industry would be interested in doing i advise that you invest in the premium luxury cosmetic companies with a really strong brand like L-Occitane, or I don't even know if I pronounce that right. shows how much I use makeup, although I did think about it, but whatever. Um, Yeah, so I would stick with the premium luxury brands instead of the cheaper brands, because those cheaper brands, which you find at Coles and Woolies and stuff, they compete on price, like Rimmel and Max or whatever. They compete on price, and they're dropping their prices every year, which is just squeezing their profits every year as well. So if you so essentially their brand isn't strong enough that they're doing really well so stick with the stick with the strong brands that are doing well and there's not a whole there are a few publicly traded cosmetic companies there's estee lauder El Coti, um but all all of these companies are really big uh so don't expect huge amounts of growth from here Um, And they're just so big because they pretty much bought up a whole bunch of other brands within them. The second last industry we're going to talk about is the household and personal products industry, which is so boring. Um, So their protection from competition is their brand. And what I'm talking about here are things like toilet paper, paper towels, washing detergent, tampons, whatever. And all these companies in this space, as I'm sure you can imagine, are really established, really dominant brands. So don't expect a whole lot of growth. Um, a lot a lot of these brands are owned by just a few companies, so they're already massive. There may be opportunities to get them on the cheap um, when the cost of raw materials increases. So I remember a couple of years ago, there was a sharp increase in paper pulp or tree pulp, and that caused... A lot of these stocks to get hurt pretty badly but other than that you're not going to see a lot of opportunities to get them on the cheap and you're not going to see a lot of growth either. Um, another issue with this industry is that there's a rise in private label brands whereby supermarket companies like Kohl's or Woolies are offering their own brand of these items for a lot cheaper and that could steal sales away from these established players. The last industry we're going to talk about, I know it's been quite a lot, is just the food and drink industry, um, their protection from competition is their brand. Um, companies like Coca Cola, Monster Beverage, QP—yes, QP Mayo is a, is a publicly traded company. Um, love it. A strong, so in this industry, a strong brand can become hugely popular. Okay, a, a, a good, essentially a good product can become popular all over the developed world really quickly. And in the meantime, investors are laughing. So unfortunately, there isn't a lot of opportunities other than... Well, not unfortunately, actually. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is the rise of health... There's a massive rise in healthy food and drink brands like Beyond Meat and I don't even know any others, not really my cup of tea. Um, But this huge rise in healthy brands is causing... um, is, is, is a lot it spells a lot of opportunity so keep your eye out keep your eyes peeled in the supermarket um and the reason for that is because the big established brands are really not they really they're reacting really slowly P- companies like Nestle or Kellogg's they they pretty much refuse to a- adapt to change and this is a continuously recurring theme it's it's actually remarkable and it's called the disruptor effect where you get a new young company with a new idea coming into an industry and they're just completely ignored by the big established players that they're competing with and those big established players never take them seriously until it's way too late and the best examples of this are what Netflix did to cable TV and what Uber did to taxis they they they're growing in the background and then they reach a point where they just completely destroy the existing players and it's because the management team the people running these big established companies they're outdated and they're super arrogant every single time and i'm so glad (laughs) when they eat shit it's 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 actually hilarious um so yeah if, if the food and drink industry they have really big profit margins they can grow really fast if it's a good brand that's widely adopted and the best opportunities you'll find for this is in like the health snack food kind of area so just keep your eyes out in the at your local coles or woolies or iga whatever floats your boat um so that does it for this week but before we go i've got two potential ideas for you guys to have a look at uh they're both on the australian stock exchange which i'm sure some of you will be happy about. Uh, the first is Jumbo Interactive. Uh, they essentially... They have the rights to sell online lottery tickets in Australia. Last year, there were only 26% of lottery tickets were sold online. I think that in 10 years' time, once all the older generation um, kind of die, I guess... Jeez, that sounds bad. Um, We're going to have... The people who are going to be buying lotteries are going to be more younger people who don't want to go into a news agency every time they want to throw their money down the drain. So I think that 26% in in countries like Scandinavia, where their online lottery business is very developed, they have 50% of their lottery tickets sold online. So I think that in 10 years time, the choice is up to you but i think in 10 years time we'll be looking at at least 50% of online lottery tickets being sold online if not more and that would mean jumbo interactive sales would double from here and when you plug that into your discounted cash flow analysis you'll see that jumbo is worth 12 bucks a share it's currently at about 13 that's pretty 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 close in today's environment where everything's at least double over what you'd get plugging the numbers into your discounted cash flow analysis. The other thing I like about Jumbo is that they're going into the software as a service type business where they essentially have this software that they've built up and anyone can buy or borrow that software off them and create their own lottery really easily, really pretty much instantaneously. And Jumbo just As payment, they receive an upfront payment, and they also take a cut of all the lottery sales that are done on there. Jumbo is actually quite ahead of the curve worldwide in this domain, and so there's a lot of opportunity in that. But even aside from that, just their online lottery selling business means the stock is worth about 13 bucks a share, and then you get that software as a service potential for free. The other business that's a good opportunity is McPherson's. Um, They own a lot of household brands like Swispers, Manicare, Lady Jane, and those are very stable kind of household product brands. But then on top of that, they've also got this skincare segment called Dr. LeWin, which is doing really, really well in China. Um, The stock has been absolutely smashed. It was at... Something like near three dollars now it's at about a dollar thirty and that stock collapse was purely because they didn't sell as much of their Dr. Lewin stuff in China as they originally thought. The stock is dead cheap overall, I think. Despite that short term hiccup in their sales in China, I think the long term trajectory is still there, and again, I think the stock is so cheap. That you can't really lose in this situation. It's on a free cash flow multiple of about eight, which in this environment is crazy cheap. And then chuck in the fact that that Dr. Lewin brand is not only growing in China, but it's also growing in Australia. And I think there's a lot of potential upside and worst case scenario, you don't lose money. Maybe you only gain a little bit. Have a look at it, decide for yourself. So that's it for this week. Just going on our disclosure statements. I'm not your financial professional. I don't know your financial situation. So please don't take what we talk on this show as anything other than entertainment and education purposes. If you're going to make big financial decisions or you don't know what to do, please seek a professional financial advisor. That does it for this week. I'll see you guys later. Bye.